0: Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding
1: Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant, and I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Fair Haven Health. The Milky's Nipple Nurture Balm is your organic and lanolin-free answer to sore or cracked nipples. And today's episode is also brought to you by RumbleTuff. The RumbleTuff Breeze is a top-of-the-line breast pump with a rechargeable battery that fits in the palm of your hand. Uh, And we'll hear more from our sponsors later, but you can head to badassbestfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsor page. See if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and we'll send episodes straight to your inbox every week and also check out our shop page with all our cool merch. And we are on Patreon and I'm going to shout out again to, I like to give people a couple shout outs. Yeah. We have Joy H, Trisha F, Alyssa W, Ilana M, Caitlin P, Siroporn S. I'm so sorry that I'm messing up your name. Holly S, um, boob friend is just what her name is here, and Carly S and Meredith K. I think I've already said those. I think I, I think I think I've said their names like ten times, but that's okay. Um. Yeah. Join us on Patreon. Click the link in the top of the show notes, wherever you're listening from, or you can head to badassbreastrenewpodcast.com and find the link over there. Um, we're having a blast and you should join us and check out our tiers with all the different benefits and be a part of our little community. And we're still holding our, uh, hosting our ongoing giveaway of people who send us screenshots of your review around the internet, anywhere on the internet, iTunes, Spotify, I'm not listing them all. You know what I mean? Anywhere where you can leave a review of a podcast. Send us a screenshot. Send us your address to badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll send you a little goodie bag of badass breastfeeding podcast stickers. And thank you for nursing in public cards. And you will find a link in the show notes to our Babies and Bumps uh, appearances. We were um, in Cincinnati yesterday. And we will be in Indianapolis on august 6th so check out the link and come see us and now diane has our review of the week
0: So this podcast is one of my favorites. I started listening to it when I had my first baby, who is now three, and picked it up again recently after my second baby, who is now five months. It's a must listen if you're breastfeeding. These women are phenomenal, and they share so many gems about everything breastfeeding. I have been inspired and motivated to keep breastfeeding in public and to keep going no matter what. And I just realized while I was reading this that the last two that I read are... um, both people that started listening with their first babies and now are on their second babies and listening again. So thank you so much for coming back to us. That's awesome.
1: That is awesome.
0: Yeah. We love it. Thank you so much. And um, go breastfeeding in public.
1: Woohoo. Seriously. Good for you. Yeah.
0: We haven't talked about that in a while. So good
1: for you. Yeah. Get out there and show the world.
0: I know that can be a little awkward. It
1: could feel a little awkward at
0: first, but once you get moving, once you get used to it and once you're kind of like, I found that when I'm talking to people, especially if you are a little unsure, I'll just give my little plug for breastfeeding in public. If you are a little unsure about it, if you're like, I'm not really sure about breastfeeding in public, I feel a little awkward, um, start in a place that you know is safe. Could be your pediatrician's office. It could be a breastfeeding mom's group or a parent group Or, you know, something like that. La Leche League. Um, Start somewhere where you know nobody's going to be watching you. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to say anything to you about it. And as you get a little bit more confident, you won't really worry about the rest. But maybe start in a place where you know that you feel safe. Could be a family outing. Yeah, something like that. But we are going to do Breastfeeding 102
1: today. We said stay tuned, Uh, but hi. Surprise, we're back. I know, we're back. We decided we would just do them, do one after the other. I feel like it needed to be spaced out. I don't know why. Well, that's okay. And Diane was like, why matter. don't we just do it? I'm like, oh yeah. I know, let's just do it. Get it over
0: with. So if you listened to the last episode, we left off at how long will feeds last? And we were talking about, if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. But we were talking about how don't time your feedings. You know, feedings are going to last how long feedings are going to last. But the majority of the time, I will say babies will feed like, you know, they get more efficient as they go along. But some feedings are longer than other feedings. Maybe they just want a snack. Maybe they just want a full feeding. Like, we really can't say your baby's going to feed 10 minutes every single time they eat because that's not true. And it shouldn't be about that. But we get so fixated on the numbers but try not to be so fixated on the numbers. Trust your baby. Trust the process of what your baby's doing. But now we're kind of left off with feeding cues. So we're going to talk about some feeding cues and what feeding cues you might see your baby doing. So some early feeding cues, your baby is doing like in their sleep. So if your baby is, say, you know, maybe they're napping, right? Maybe he's taking a little nap and. You see them kind of starting to wiggle around a little bit. Maybe their head is moving a little bit. Maybe their little eyelids are starting to flutter, you know, a little bit. That is a perfect time. Those are what we call the early feeding cues. That is a perfect time to grab up your baby and get them started, you know, get them ready to go and get started with feeding kind of the midway feeding cues you might see like your baby stretching a little bit more their eyes are opening you might see them licking their lips um looking around kind of rooting a little you know like really kind of being like all right i'm ready to go somebody come get me you know like they might not be super fussy quite yet they might have their hands at their mouth a little bit um that is also, you know, like, okay, let's, let's go. Your baby's getting ready in a couple of minutes There, they're going to be a little bit pissed off. So this is a good time to grab them up and and get started with feeding. Crying is a late feeding cue. But for some reason, every time a baby cries, people are like, they're hungry. They're hungry. Oh,
1: God, every fucking time. Every time. And they're like, oh, I know that cry is hungry. Yeah, that's a hungry oh, can cry. Can you hear that? He's a hunger cry. I mean, if anybody knows the difference of their cries of their babies, then hallelujah, congratulations to you. Because I didn't, I never could do that, I never understood that.
0: But I think if anybody's going to know, it's going to be the mother. It's not going to be some fucking sure. stranger off the street.
1: <laughs> That's so, true. You know. <laughs> That's true.
0: That's like true. I, I don't know why people think, oh, that that baby's hungry when you don't even know that baby. Like, come on. No. That's just all we think about is just feeding the baby. Right.
1: He's, he's hungry.
0: So crying is the last cue. And I always tell people, if your baby is crying for hunger, it's probably in the middle of the night when you're not watching them intently. You know, like if it's the middle of the day and, you know, your baby's napping and you're kind of hanging out or whatever, and you've got an eye on them or they're in a carrier or, you know, something like that, you're not going to get to that crying place. You're going to see them giving you those cues and you're going to know that it's time for them to eat. But in the middle of the night, that's how they're. Alerting you, they're like, okay, I'm ready to eat now. And you might hear them, you know, rustling around and starting to make some noise and starting to get to that point. But you're pro- that's not going to be your everyday feeding cue, most likely. If your baby is crying for food, you miss the other cues. That's pretty much the bottom line. And that's probably not going to happen if you're right there with them all the time. So, you know, that's okay. Now the whole hands to mouth, let's talk about that one for a minute because everybody's like, Oh, your baby's hands are at their mouth, they're hungry. Sometimes babies just have their hands at their mouth. I had a baby the other day. Oh my God. Baby was like insanely had his hands in his mouth all the time. He's like two weeks old, his hands were at his mouth constantly. Like mom was trying to latch him on and he was pushing the breast away to get his hands (laughs) in his mouth. Like that is how like the hands. Yeah. Like that is what she said, you know, in the ultrasound pictures, always had his hands in his mouth. This is just something that this baby does. And we were talking about the feeding cue thing. And she goes, I know, I I know now because I've learned with him now that, you know, if he's a little bit fussy with his hands in his mouth, then he's ready to eat. Otherwise, if he just had his his hands in his mouth, it's not a feeding cue. So you're going to learn your baby. Like, this is a lot of this is just learning your baby, and every baby does something different, but you learn your baby pretty quickly. And you also know okay, the baby's hands are at his mouth, he's waking up from a nap, it's been two hours since he ate, it's time to feed. You know, that is a difference from, oh, he's sound asleep, but his hands are at his face. (laughs) You know, like, there's a difference there. And just kind of know, like, your baby might really like their hands at their face. They might be really, com- you know, that might be very comforting for them. They might, some babies learn to suck their thumb very, very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. Which is so cute. I find that very cute. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that might not be a feeding cue. So, you know, watch for what your baby is doing. So let's talk about colostrum for a second and what that is like. I know we kind of touched on it colostrum and what kind of like happens with that. So colostrum is really important for your baby to have. It is just full of nutrients and immunization and, you know, just so much stuff that your baby needs to have to start their system off for being healthy. It kind of coats their gut. It's like a thicker substance and it kind of coats their gut and keeps like pathogens and bacterias from getting inside. Um, it also works as a laxative to help push all of that meconium, which is like that dark poop. It helps to get all of that pushed out of their system, which can be dangerous for, you know, for um, jaundice. So it helps to get rid of all of that pretty quickly too. Um, it just starts their immune system off to a great start because it's passing all of your immunity to them. It's like an immunization, really. That's what like the experts call it is just like colostrum isn't necessarily a food, it's an immunization for your baby. You're passing immunization to your baby, which is pretty amazing, honestly. But that's what's happening for them. That your body is making colostrum since like midway through your pregnancy. You might see it leaking if you're pregnant, you might not. It doesn't matter. I have I can honestly say in the 15 years that I've been doing this, I have never seen anybody not have colostrum. Like your body is just making it. So be comfortable, but you don't feel it. Like you don't feel that it's there and it doesn't always leak. So we don't trust that it's there. But your baby can get the colostrum out when they're nursing. So that's all that really matters. I remember being in the hospital one time and there's this woman that was like, I can't remember where she was from, but she wasn't from the States. And she came from a culture that didn't believe that they had milk in the first couple of days of life, you know, because there are some cultures yeah. that are like, you know, we there's nothing there until the milk yeah. comes in. But there is colostrum there. She was like, I don't have anything for my baby. And the lactation consultant was like actively hand expressing all of this colostrum into a cup. She got like half an ounce of colostrum in a cup. We're like, look, look at this is what you've got. She's like, I don't have anything. My gosh, your colostrum is there. It's there for your baby. And it's really important that they get it breast or breast milk itself is pretty hormonal like the process of of your milk kind of of your colostrum changing over into milk is pretty hormonal so how it works is your body does not start the process of milk until the placenta has left your body so once the placenta leaves your body there's this huge hormonal flux and then your body is like, okay, let's we're gonna start turning this colostrum into milk now. Um, that's why we don't see it for about three days because your body is like going through this whole hormonal process. After the first few weeks, it becomes more of a supply and demand type of thing, where as long as you're feeding the baby, we're using the milk, we're we're taking the milk out of our body giving it to your baby, either by pump or by latching your baby, then we're telling your body that you need the milk and your body's going to continue to make it. So we're going between hormones and supply and demand here. But in the very beginning, it's very hormone driven. You're going to start to feel more full, usually around day three, sometimes day four, depending on the situation. And when I say depending on the situation, it means like sometimes with like a first time C-section that can take a little bit longer, might take an extra day or so for your milk to come in, not an extra week, mm-hmm. but like an extra mm-hmm. day or so, Um, like hemorrhage or heavy blood loss can also delay things a little bit too. So just be patient, just know it's coming, but sometimes with, you know, with more complications can end up, you know, delaying your milk just a little bit. And those are the, you know, pretty much the exception to those rules. But your baby is fine on the colostrum. Your baby is doing just fine on the colostrum. And the more you feed your baby, the more frequently you're feeding your baby, the faster your milk is going to come in because your baby is telling your body that this is what they need. So skipping over those cluster feedings and just giving your baby formula and stuff like that is not going to be helpful for your body to, to bring your milk in. Your body is bringing your milk in based on what your baby is telling it. So feed your baby as much as you possibly can in those first couple days of life and your milk supply will come in pretty quickly. Yeah. So now maybe we should take a break before I start talking about engorgement and stuff like that.
1: Okay, we will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. If you're struggling with sore nipples, you need pain relief fast. And when sore nipples turn to crack nipples, forget about it. It's enough to want to call it quits. Damaged nipples can cause real problems with successfully breastfeeding your baby. Check with a lactation consultant that your baby is getting a good latch and get some Milky's Nipple Nurture Balm. Nipple Nurture Balm is formulated to soothe, protect, and heal sore or cracked nipples. This nipple balm is made with organic herbal ingredients and combined with natural moisturizers to help provide relief and to heal affected areas and even prevent cracks from reappearing. Nurture Nipple Balm alleviates the discomfort so the joy can be restored to your special bonding time. It is safe for both parent and baby, and there's no need to wipe it off before breastfeeding. Head to fairhavenhealth.com, that's F-A-I-R-H-A-V-E-N, health.com, and use code BADASS for 15% off of your purchase. And today's episode is also brought to you by a RumbleTuff. The RumbleTuff Breeze is a top-of-the-line breast pump with a rechargeable battery that fits in the palm of your hand. The powerful motor lasts over 2,000 hours and has a two-year warranty. The memory button allows you to record your most effective pumping session and recall it anytime you wish. Combine the breeze with the RumbleTuff Go cups, and you're pumping hands-free and on the go. Every RumbleTuff pump user qualifies for free pumping support with an IBCLC. Because they care, each pump also comes with a manual handle kit to convert your electric pump into a manual pump at no extra cost. You should not have to figure it out alone. Let the experts help you get the support you deserve. Additionally, every pump box includes a flange fit ruler so you can determine which of the 15 flanges that they offer will fit you best. Nipple size does matter. Check out the entire line at RumbleTuff.com. That's R-U-M-B-L-E-T-U-F-F.com. And use code BADASS for 20% off of your purchase. And these sponsors and the promo codes can be found in the show notes under this episode. Wherever you are listening from, scroll down, check the show notes with like a little see more. Click that and uh, you will find the direct links and the promo codes. And you can also head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check the show notes there or um, the sponsor page. And you will also find information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation cons- consultation with Diane.
0: Okay. Now, a couple of months ago, we did an episode on engorgement. I th- think that's, I'm, yeah, and you asked the internets. And a couple of people got mm. all pissed off that we said that milk was coming in and they didn't like
1: that. Remember that? Oh, yeah. They didn't like the term Milk. Coming in, like when your milk comes in. Yeah, they didn't like that. They said because that it's always there. That colostrum is breast milk, and it's always there. And yeah, yeah. You just mean it's
0: well because colostrum is not quite milk. It's an immunization, so it's a little bit different. But everybody got really touchy about that, and that's just always what we said. What everybody has always called it It is like milk coming in, lactogenesis to you know or you know kind of copious yeah, milk production it's different it's just it's, yeah it's it different. Is a little different it's
1: a different it's a little different it's a and it and it's also spells it's also something that's that's that's, that's ha- it's a change that's happening mm-hmm. there's a thing that's happening or you're i mean i think that i don't want to spend time on this it yeah. feels
0: different. Some too. people
1: say, you know, milk coming in. It, it, there's no harm in saying that. Yeah, it's okay,
0: and it feels different. You know, it feel you feel more full. You f- your breasts feel a little bit heavier. You feel fuller. You might feel a little warm. Some people might get a um like a low grade fever even with it. Um totally, that's all of those things is totally normal to feel when you are going through this process, when your body is going through this process. And some people get really uncomfortable and that is called engorgement where everything gets really hard. It almost feels like that fullness is uncomfortable. And for some people it can even feel a little bit painful. So your body doesn't know how much milk it needs to make. It's making enough milk for several babies and it's really up to your body, your baby communicating with your body for your body to kind of regulate that milk supply. So you have more milk than what you need at that time, which is why you feel more full. So What can happen is, like I said, you can start to feel a little uncomfortable, but sometimes people will pump that milk out because they're like, well, the baby's not draining at all, so I have to pump it out. Don't do that because then your body thinks that you need all that milk and you're gonna continue to make that much milk. And that's not what we wanna do. You need to to kind of feed the baby and then what happens is you're gonna feel a little bit more comfortable. You're gonna feed the baby. Your baby's gonna take the milk that they need out leave behind the rest and your body needs to adjust to that. And that is the normal process of things. That is kind of how we get by it. The other thing with this engorgement is that it's also a lot of fluid buildup up too. So a lot of like breast edema, swelling, fluid. So the best thing to do is to feed the baby, put some ice packs on your breast for like you know 10 15 minutes could be like you know bag of frozen peas or something like that put ice some ibuprofen which you're probably taking anyway cuz most people are taking that after they've had a baby just for you know everyday pain relief pain management which can help with the with the swelling and just continue to feed the baby on demand because that is what's going to keep you the most comfortable a couple of things that can also add to this problem are how the baby is born. So if you have had a lot of fluid, if they've given you lots of IV bags of fluid, that is going to add to your discomfort because that is more fluid, which causes more swelling, which causes more discomfort with the milk coming in because it does swell the breast tissue, that that fluid. So we have to keep that in mind. And medications that you receive while you're in labor can also impact this pitocin specifically. So, and a lot of people do get pitocin. So just kind of keep that in mind too. What kind of medications you might've received? Were you induced? Did you have medications? Did you, you know, all of that stuff, um, that can also impact your milk coming in and how much comfort you have surrounding it. This only lasts a couple of days the discomfort with milk coming in and feeling that fullness and feeling uncomfortable with that fullness that only lasts a couple of days it does not last the entire breastfeeding relationship it does not last for weeks it only lasts a couple of days and then you're going to start feeling pretty normal again you might feel a little full like if the baby goes too long in between feeds or something like that your body's going to tell you okay it's time to eat it's time for the baby to eat and you're going to feel that fullness again and then you're going to get relief when the baby feeds. And that's normal for your body to go through. So how to know that your baby is getting enough. This is always like the biggest, the biggest concern I hear from parents. How do I know that my baby is getting enough? You can't see what's going in. You can't see what they're doing when they're breastfeeding. How do I know? It's kind of simple. We watch for diaper output. And I remember my sister telling me to do that because I always worried about how do I know the baby's getting enough? Like you really, you panic almost. It's like, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know. Like, cause you're trying to figure out your baby's cues and you're trying to learn what your baby's doing and trying to make sure that they're eating enough. And you're like, oh my God, I don't, I don't know. And I remember feeling that panic. And my sister was like, just watch the diapers, watch if, you know, pooping and peeing. And I was like, that's not enough for me. Like I (laughs) needed something more than that. I don't know what else I needed, but I felt like that was not enough. But really, that's all we need. If it's going in, it's coming out. Yeah. So if your baby is pooping and peeing well, then we know they're getting what they need. And if you tell me I'm changing a diaper at every feeding, I know your baby is getting what they need because that's a lot of diaper changes in a day. So your baby is doing just fine. If you tell me, oh, the baby only had like two wet diapers If your baby's like a week old and your your baby only had like two wet diapers in 24 hours, I'm going to say, okay, that might not be enough. We might need to see what's going on there. But basically, if your baby's pooping and peeing, then they're getting what they need. So what we need to look for is the first 24 hours of your baby's life, you look for one wet diaper and one dirty diaper in the first 24 hours. That's it. Second 24 hours, we're looking for two of each. Third 24 hours, we're looking for three of each and so on until about five days. And then after five days, your baby has like six to eight wet diapers a day and probably two to three good poops a day. And that's pretty much what you're going to watch for. And that's what's going to continue to happen for the next several months. Now, if your baby's doing more than that, that's fine. And the majority of time, you're going to see more than that, especially in those first couple days of life. Sometimes people will be like, my baby pooped Eight times before I left the hospital, like that's crazy, and that's fantastic. So you know that's okay, that's fine. Um, but we're only looking for a couple, really. But if your baby's doing more than that, then that's okay too. Um, it is like the other thing that people are saying. Well, I don't know if the poop is enough. It's it's not a lot of poop. If it's as big as a quarter, it's enough. Quarter size or bigger is what we call a poop. Um, the other thing is too that your baby's poop in the the first day or two is going to be that very dark meconium. It's like dark, sticky, looks like tar. It's really gross. It doesn't smell. <laughs> it sticks to their butt. It's like it's such a pain. But that's the poop that they have in the first day or two of their life, and then it turns to like a brownish green, which is more of like a normal poop consistency. Your your life is going to become about poop. Basically. Oh yeah. Like that is really what you're really gonna be concerned about for the rest I of remember, your life. I had a poop log.
1: Poop. Oh yeah. Yeah. And a lot it, of people do. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why. I really don't know why. What what was the end I just, result? I don't know. I was just obsessed with the poop. I yeah. poke through it, examine yeah. it. Does this look normal? <laughs> is this okay? Yes. Yeah, I have normal? people send
0: me pictures of poop. Like uh, it's just totally <laughs> I'm totally fine. Yeah, yeah, like whatever. I mean,
1: people just, Yeah, we just lose our minds.
0: Really? Um, Then the poop is going to turn to yellow, like bright yellow. Winnie the Pooh yellow is what it like. pretty much is. Some kind of variant of yellow, yellow, orange, yellow, green, like somewhere in there. And it's going to be very soft and it's going to look seedy, like little sesame seeds in there. And that's what your baby's poop is probably going to look like until you give them something else other than breast milk and that should be happening by day 5. If your baby's poop is still dark by day 5, that's kind of a red flag. I'm going to be a little concerned that they're not getting what they need if your baby's poop is dark by day 5. So we're watching to have that yellow poop happening by day 5 of the of your baby's life. Um it can be messy, it doesn't really smell. So I mean, I mean it's got a smell but it's not like a bad smell. So it's, you know, it's not terrible. It really isn't. I mean, Sometimes you see those videos of people on the internet changing dirty diapers and they just can't handle it. And it's really not, I mean, it's not that bad. I know I don't get it. Yeah. But that is pretty much how you know that your baby is getting enough to eat. We also look for, um, like how content they are you know, when they're feeding or when they're done feeding, they should be pretty content. Like they're, when you're starting a feeding, their little arms might be real tight. Their hands might be tight. They might be, you know, kind of have their arms up towards their body, towards the inside of their body, but their chest as they're eating and they're getting more full, you're going to see them relax a little bit more. Their arm might become like those noodly arms, um, very relaxed. That is also telling us that your baby is getting what they need. now. And then of course, weight gain. But you can't weigh your baby every five minutes. At least we don't encourage that. Some people do it. I definitely don't encourage it because it's going to make you crazy. But if your baby is gaining weight, like, you know, between doctor's appointments and stuff, then we know they're getting what they need. Sometimes I'll have people call me and be like, I don't know if the baby's getting what they need. They're eating all the time. And then we talk about that. What all the time looks like. Are they cluster feeding? Are they cluster feeding constantly or is it just certain times of the day? And what are the diapers like? Oh, they're, you know, pooping and peeing all the time. Well, then they're getting what they need. And it's like, okay, like really that's, I promise that's all we need to look for. So let's talk about weight loss and weight gain. So your baby is going to lose a little bit of weight in the very beginning like the when they're in the hospital or the first couple of days of life regardless of where you have your baby your baby's going to lose a little bit of weight in the beginning that's totally normal it's fluid and you know like it's just it's all very very normal to see and remember too that your baby the fluid that you get when you're in labor your baby is also getting so sometimes like especially if it was like a long induction and you did receive a lot of fluid that could encourage a little bit of a higher birth weight so really we should be looking at birth weight after about the first 24 hours that's probably a more accurate depiction of birth weight mm-hmm. and that is like evidence-based I'm not just making that up I promise that's like a real thing um, but your baby is going to lose a little bit of weight and that is very very normal so try well, that, not to get too nervous
1: yeah this is where a lot of problems start happening in the hospital They're Mm -hmm. like, oh, your baby, you know, lost all this weight. And so you need to give formula.
0: Yeah. And it might not be that, you know, like it really could be. probably not that. We also have to look at the diapers and stuff, too, at the hospital. If your baby, you know, had a good wet and dirty diapers in the hospital, we know they're getting what they need. And that weight loss could just be from fluid retention that they, you know, had during labor. So we got to look at the big picture of things too. We really do. Are they feeding well? Um are they pooping and peeing well? They're feeding every couple hours. You know, that your milk is starting to come in. We need to look at all these pictures, all all the things. So for weight loss in the hospital or the first couple of days of life, you're probably looking at, you know, a couple of ounces or they look at it by percentage usually. So your baby lost 6% of their birth weight. Right. Like that's pretty normal. Um, Four to six percent, seven percent, something like that is pretty normal by the time you discharge. Now, babies and parents don't stay in the hospital very long anymore. They're out usually within, like, if you have a vaginal birth, sometimes within 36 hours. And then you go to the pediatrician the next day. Sometimes C section, it's only about two days or so. Some, every once in a while, you'll have a three day, but not as much as we used to. And then you're at the pediatrician by day three. And your baby is still losing weight and that makes people very nervous. But remember your milk isn't coming in until about day three, day four. So of course your baby is still losing weight. Babies will continue to lose weight until the milk supply, until they've been feeding off your milk supply for about 24 hours. So that is really normal that you go to your first pediatrician appointment and your baby is still losing weight. Do not get nervous about that. Pediatricians are usually comfortable. 10% is kind of the the limit, like 10% of, is kind of the line that is drawn in the sand where people are like, okay, 10% of weight loss, we're not, we don't really want your baby to get lower than that. I have definitely seen babies go lower than that, but not very often. So if you are at that point of 10%, we need to look at like, what is going on? Is your baby, is your milk starting to come in? If your milk is starting to come in, your baby's right around that 10%, but they've been pooping and peeing really well. Your milk is coming in. Let's give it another day. You know, let's give it another day and reway before we start supplementing. But sometimes pediatricians will jump to that supplementation because they're like, well, we don't want the baby to lose any more weight. But again, we're not really trusting the process here. Where are we with everything? And when I worked in the pediatric office, I was able to kind of like, intervene with that kind of stuff right. um, because I could be like, well, the milk's play starting to come in and the baby fed really well and they're pooping and peeing really well. Let's give it another day or two and then, you know, bring them back and have them wait again. But you can say that to your pediatrician. If you don't want to supplement, you can go ahead and say, I, you know, let's, can we give it another day? The baby's pooping and peeing really well. I feel like they're eating fine. Um, you know, let's give it another day and see, you know, make sure, especially if everything is really Seems to be going well. If your pediatric, and a lot of times your pediatrician will say, "Oh, the baby looks great," or you know, whatever. But we're at you know ten percent weight loss. Well, if the baby looks great, let's give it another day. It's not going to hurt anything. It really isn't. If your baby's not feeding well, if you're like the baby's not latching, and the baby's you know looks really yellow, and they're jaundice, and they're losing more weight, and the milk's not coming in yet, like all that stuff is going on, then we might need to look at something different. But If your baby is feeding fine, pooping and peeing fine, this is just a normal process and this is totally okay. Your baby should start to regain within like day four. You're going to see babies start to kind of regain. And then we look for them to regain their birth weight by about two weeks. So it's not like, oh my gosh, your baby lost 10% of their birth weight. They need to regain that in the next three days. No, that's not what we expect to see. It's only yeah. like by, you know, within the, within the two-week period. Babies, breastfed babies gain about half an ounce to an ounce a day. A lot of pediatricians would rather see closer to that ounce, but usually it's about half an ounce to an ounce a day. I have definitely had babies that were super healthy, that had zero problems, that were pooping and peeing great, that gained half an ounce a day. And that was just the way they were. And that was totally normal for them. So sometimes you have to look at the big picture, you know, look at all the things and see Mm -hmm. what, you know, what is going on. So we're gonna, we have a couple minutes left. So I definitely want to touch on when to start pumping because a lot of people are really concerned about this going into um, breastfeeding is when can I start pumping? And I kind of mentioned it earlier when we were talking about engorgement, please do not start pumping. If you don't have to, If it's not necessary, if you're not separated from your baby, if there's not latch or weight gain issues, please don't start pumping for about the first two weeks. And that is because it can really cause an oversupply issue. And that is just can be very problematic moving forward. It might sound great, but it can be very problematic. So if your baby is nursing fine, just let your baby nurse for about the first two weeks or so before we start implementing any other things. If your baby is not feeding well, or you're separated from your baby, then you're going to be, want to be working with a lactation consultant for sure to make sure that your everything is happening the way it should be to maintain a milk supply and to make sure you're getting milk into the baby while you're working on latching and all of that kind of stuff. But there's no reason to start too soon. And oversupply can cause problems like Reflux and plugged milk ducts and mastitis and, you know, people feeling like their baby can't handle the flow of the milk because it's just too much for them. And you're feeling full and leaking all the time. Like it really can cause a lot of problems that we don't want you to have. Plus it's just one more thing to do. You know, like once you start pumping, it's like, it's just one more thing to do. And you just don't need to do that one more thing. You're going to be pumping enough, especially if you're a parent that's going to be going back to work or something. You're going to be pumping enough so don't do it don't start doing it too soon if you don't have to if you do start to give bottles you have to pump if you're missing a feeding that is telling your body that you're you still need that milk so a lot of times people want to give bottles during the night so that they can you know sleep a longer stretch but you have to get up and pump if you're not feeding the baby directly at the breast if you're giving a bottle you have to pump that's pretty much the bottom line with it because we need to keep telling your body you need to make the milk. Pumping can vary. You're going to get different amounts at different times of the day. Um, what is normal. For pumping, is anywhere from an ounce to like three ounces is a very good amount of milk to get out. If you're getting less than that, that is okay too. You also have to look at what is going on, what kind of pump you're using, did the baby just eat, what time of day is it? Like It's so variable. And sometimes people get frustrated that they're not getting the same amount of milk every single time they pump, but that is very normal. We don't expect you to get the same amount of milk every time you pump. It's going to be different. And pumping is actually its whole different thing on its own. So we can't really go into a whole lot with that at this point. But just know, don't start too soon. Your baby is going to feed way better than your pump is going to pump. So do not look at pumping as, oh my gosh, this is the be all and end all. And it's telling me everything I need to know. We're glad we have these pumps. They are so helpful because if we're separated from our babies, we need to be able to get milk to them. Um, but your baby does way better than the pump will ever do. It's, it's a machine and your baby is your baby. So it's going to be way different. So that is kind of breastfeeding one Oh two.
1: Sweet. I think we should yeah. do pumping one Oh one.
0: We should maybe do pumping one Oh one if we don't already have it. Yeah. We'll probably we put that somewhere when it's old. Yeah. So stay well, tuned for, for that somewhere in the everybody. future. thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Bye.